I want to begin by reading just one verse here at the start from the book of John, chapter 12. And this simple statement from Jesus is going to be the main point of everything that I'm going to say tonight. So if you miss everything else, get this. John 12, verse 46, Jesus said, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Let those words sink in deep. We're going to be returning to them many times tonight, and my hope is that by the time we leave this evening, these words will be so imprinted on your heart that for some of you, perhaps, your life will never be the same. I've come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Tonight we gather to celebrate the birth of Jesus, uh, that time 2,000 years ago when the Son of God came into the world as light. And to understand the significance of Jesus' birth, we need to go back to the beginning, the very beginning. The very first words of the Bible, Genesis 1, beginning with verse 1, says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. The creation story in the book of Genesis begins with darkness, nothingness. Then God speaks and commands light to exist. God is the source of light. God created the world that we live in full of beauty and life. He created humans to be his representatives on earth, to rule the world and subdue creation, to use the creativity and intelligence that he gave us to harness the potential of the world that he made. Everything was very good. God created the day and the night, and he said that it was good. He created the sky and the atmosphere, and he said that it was good. God created the seas and the dry land and said that it was good. God created the plants and the trees bearing fruit and vegetation, and he said that they were good. God created the sun the moon, the stars. He set them in motion to provide predictable measurements of time for us for days and for months and for years. And he said that they were good. God created the fish in the water, the birds in the sky, and he said that they were good. God created land animals and said that they were good. And then last of all, God created humans, the pinnacle of all his creation. God made us in his own image. He placed Adam and Eve, the very first two humans, in this beautiful garden to live and flourish in this perfect world that he had created. And he said that it was all very good. You look around the world today and you can see we've come a long way since then. Suffering, death, wars, injustice. This doesn't seem like a very good world. And you think, what happened? How did we get here? The the confusion and chaos of our world, the division and hatred, the breakdown of relationships, and on and on. How did we get here? And even more importantly, how do we get back to that very good world as God originally created it? The answer to the first question is simple. We got here in Genesis 3. After God created this very good world, Adam and Eve, our representatives of the the very first of humanity, chose to rebel against God. Their sin wasn't just eating a piece of fruit that they were told not to eat. That was it, but it was much more than that. 
Their sin was that they ate a fruit that represented the knowledge of good and evil. God's command to them was, don't eat that one fruit. You can have everything else in this world. It's yours. You can eat from all of these other trees I've given you. Just don't eat from that one tree. All they had to do was trust God and obey him. But they didn't. They chose instead to rebel against their creator. They wanted to make their own decisions. They wanted to be like God. They didn't want to submit to God's rules, even though God's rules were there for their benefit, for their own protection. They wanted to rule themselves, and that's how we got here. And if you're looking at your own life tonight and you're wondering, how did everything get so complicated and messed up? This is how you got there too. God is the source of all wisdom and goodness and light. And when you decide that you want to turn from that light, the only place to go is into darkness. So here we are, in a very good world that has turned from the source of everything that is good. We've rebelled against our Creator. We live life however we want, with no regard for God's commands to us. Instead of trusting that God's ways are best, we want to, do our, we want to be our own gods, And the more that we sin, the darker the world gets around us. We may want to blame others. We we may think that ultimately this is Adam and Eve's fault. But ultimately, if we're honest, the blame lies with us as well. We think maybe if everyone in the world was just like me, then the world would be great. But in reality, everyone in the world is just like me. And that's the problem. That's the truth that none of us want to face. We're all selfish. Every one of us just in different ways. We're all rebellious against God's law. And so rather than blame others, we ought to look inside of ourselves and see that the blame is right there. Now, if that's how we got here into this world of darkness, then there's only one way to get back. We have to get back to God. If he is the only source of light, then our only hope is to have our relationship with God restored. If we mess things up in the very good world that he created by rebelling against his laws, we must start keeping God's laws. We must undo what's been done, reverse the curse, restore our standing with our creator. But we can't. It's impossible. From the moment that sin first took place in the world, we were doomed. Adam and Eve couldn't just uneat the fruit and put it back on the tree. It was done. And as much as we may wish that we could, you and I can't go back in time and take back all of our own sinful and foolish choices. What's done is done. And so we sit here in the darkness of a world lost in sin without hope of ever getting back. We cannot get back to the source of all light because as 1 Timothy 6 tells us, God alone has immortality. He dwells in unapproachable light. God dwells in unapproachable light. We can't get to him. That word unapproachable says it all. You and I have made our choice to rebel against him. And sinners like us cannot enter the presence of God. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Light and darkness cannot exist at the same time in the same place. It's not possible. As soon as you turn the lights on, darkness vanishes. And as soon as you block out the light, the darkness is there. The two are incompatible with each other. They can't exist in the same place. 
That's how you and I are with God. He cannot be around us in our sin, and we cannot be around him in his holiness. The relationship is ruptured. We're lost. Hopeless. Or so it would seem. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of all this sin and darkness and misery, something amazing happens. With the sound of a baby crying into the night, a little light begins to shine. You say, how? God is the only source of light, and we're all sinners lost in a dark and broken world without hope. And that darkness is inside of us too. How is it that a baby being born can bring light into the world? I thought only God was able to do that. Exactly. As impossible as it seems, that little baby in a manger is God. We had no hope. In our fallen state, we could not approach the light, and so the light of the world entered our darkness instead. It's what Jesus said in that verse that we began with. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. God saw us in our hopeless darkness and sin. He saw that we had no hope of undoing the past and getting back to the light, and so he came to us. God himself, our creator, took on human form in a baby named Jesus. The light entered our dark world on a rescue mission. Listen to the words of the angel to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by a prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God became a baby, and he entered our world on a mission to save us from our sins. This baby, of course, grew and became a man, Jesus. Jesus was unlike any of us. He wasn't tainted with our sin because he was God. That source of everything good and beautiful back in Genesis was now walking among us as one of us. And because of who Jesus was, he could do what we never could. He lived a perfect life. Jesus never sinned. In this world of darkness and sin, Jesus shined in perfect brightness. We read in Matthew chapter 4, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. For the first time in the history of humanity, the world saw what it looks like to live a sinless and perfect human life. To always do what is right. To never give in to the darkness. And then after 33 years of living in perfect sinlessness, Jesus died. The light of the world felt our pain. He suffered the death that you and I deserve, but he didn't. On the cross, Jesus died in our place. And as the Son of God was hanging on a cross, breathing that final breath, the light of the world, that one hope of mankind, was blown out. The darkness inside of men like Judas Iscariot and Pontius Pilate and Herod led them to crucify Jesus. As John 1 says of Jesus, he was the true light which 
gives light to everyone. He was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Why? Why would God become a man, live this perfect sinless life only to be killed in the end? What was the point? Why did God even come and live among us if this is how his story would end? Jesus explained the reason for his coming in that verse that we began with. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus came to save us by entering into our darkness without ever succumbing to it, by dying in our place. Jesus destroyed the power of sin and death. He died the death that we deserved. He broke the cycle of sin and death by living a sinless life and then dying as our substitute. You see, Jesus came into the world as light so that whoever believes in him may not remain in darkness. He came as our savior. His death wasn't an unforeseen tragedy. It was the plan all along. And because Jesus wasn't tainted with our sin, because he was God in human form, death couldn't hold him down. And so Jesus came back to life. God did all of this to save you. He was born as a baby. He lived through the pain and suffering of human life. He died a brutal death. And then he rose the third day. He came into the world as light so that you may not remain in darkness. Sin leads to misery and brokenness. Sin leads to death and eternal sorrow in hell. Jesus came as light to rescue us from that darkness. He died to pay for your sins, and he now calls you to leave the darkness behind. Remember the condition. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Believe in him. Jesus doesn't say to those in the darkness, clean up your life and then I'll forgive you. He doesn't say, come out of the darkness on your own and start living lives of purity and godliness. And then maybe if you're good enough, maybe if your good works outweigh your bad works, if the light is bright enough, maybe it will make up for all of that darkness in your past and then I'll forgive you. No, Jesus comes to those lost in sin and he pulls us out. Whoever believes in him. Don't think tonight, I'm too bad for Christ to redeem. You might be listening to me right now and you're thinking, I'm sure that's all good news for someone here, but not me. You don't know how deep into the darkness I've wandered. Hear the words of Jesus, friend. He came for those in the darkness. Does that not describe your life? If you had lived a clean and pure life free from sin, then Jesus' death on the cross would be of no use to you. His perfect life was offered on your behalf to save you from your sin. Jesus came for those lost in sin, those who are tired of wandering in the darkness, desperate for someone to rescue them. If that's you tonight, hear the words of the Savior. I have come into the world as light so that you may not remain in darkness. Do you believe? That's the requirement. Believe. Trust in Christ today. Trust in the power of Jesus' death to pay the debt of sin that you owe. Trust in his light to transform your life.
We talked about why Jesus came and who he came for, but notice the end result of his coming, so that we may not remain in darkness. Jesus doesn't say that he came as light to save those in darkness and just give us eternal life. It's more than that. Jesus says that he came to those of us in the darkness in order to bring us out of it. He came so that you may not remain in darkness. Jesus wants to enter your life, not just to forgive your sins and give you eternal life. He also will transform you and give you abundant life. He loves you so much that he'll come to where you are. He's searching for you in the darkness of your sin-filled life. And he loves you so much that when you embrace his offer of salvation, when you believe in him, he will take you by the hand and lead you into the light, out of a life of sin, into a new life of light. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. All of us are lost in darkness, and the offer of salvation goes out to all. Whoever believes in him. And so that's the question. Will you believe? Will you accept the offer of Jesus in your place? That might seem like a strange question at first. I mean, why would anyone refuse this offer of salvation? And yet many do. Jesus explained in John chapter 3, this is, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. You see, some people prefer darkness. They love their sin so much that they would rather continue in that life instead of embracing Jesus as Savior and Lord. Tonight, the choice is yours. You are free to choose to remain in darkness if you want to. Just know that the fleeting pleasures of your sin will not satisfy you in the end. You can never find fulfillment outside of Christ. Sure, there may, there may be times of enjoyment in this life for you. It's a very good world after all. Even with the curse of sin that has tainted it so much, there are still many remnants of God's goodness in our world. But someday your time in this life will end. And then you will stand before God the God that you rejected, you will face his judgment. I pray that you will not make that choice. It's up to you. If you will choose the light tonight, Jesus stands ready to receive you. If you're here tonight and you're one of those lost in the darkness, let me invite you to turn to Jesus today. Give your life to him. Trust in his death for your sins. He will take you just as you are, and he will change your life if you'll let him. Jesus said in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Some of us in this room have experienced the transformation of salvation that Jesus has given. We could give testimony to the fact that Jesus changed our lives. And here's the amazing thing about that. Now that the light of Jesus has come into our lives, we become a light for others. God is the source of all light. But when we turn in faith to Jesus, his light begins to shine through us. 
And he sends us out into the dark world as his lights. Jesus himself said to his followers, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There are many examples in Scripture of people who have experienced this salvation. One such example was Saul of Tarsus. You probably know him better as Paul, the apostle. Paul was a young man living in Jerusalem when Jesus died. Paul had heard these rumors that Jesus was risen from the dead, and it enraged him. Paul hated Christianity. He beat and imprisoned those who followed Jesus, even delivering them up for a death sentence from the rulers of Jerusalem. Paul hated Christians so much that he even traveled to other areas in order to capture Christians and lead them off on trial to Jerusalem. If anyone exemplified darkness, it was Paul. If anyone was too far gone for the forgiveness of God to save, it would have been Paul. And yet Jesus had overcome sin and death. And thus he had the power to bring light even to a seemingly impossible heart like Paul's. Miraculously, Paul became a Christian. He believed the gospel that Jesus died in his place and rose again, and Paul committed his life to serve the Lord. Jesus said to Paul on that day as he was sending him out to others who needed to hear this message of salvation and forgiveness. Acts 26 records Jesus' words to Paul. He said, I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And so with the conversion of Paul, not only was he pulled out of the darkness, but Paul became a light to others. Paul went on to reach many people for Christ, telling them the news that I'm telling you today, that Jesus can change your life. He can forgive your sins if you will embrace him as Savior and Lord. Paul went on to start dozens of churches throughout the rest of his life. He even wrote several books of our New Testament. He's an example of just how powerful the gospel of Jesus is. How God can take a rebel sinner and turn his life around. And he can do that for you too. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Paul found that promise of Jesus to be true in his own life. Another person who experienced the transforming power of Jesus was a lady named Mary Magdalene. This is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is a different Mary. This Mary was from a town called Magdala, uh, right on the northern coast of the Sea of Galilee. Mary Magdalene, we're told, was demon-possessed. We're told in Luke chapter 8 that seven demons were controlling this lady. This level of darkness and evil is something most of us can't even understand. But then one day, Jesus met her. He cast the demons out of her and changed her life forever. Mary Magdalene, according to Luke chapter 8, became a financial supporter of the ministry of Jesus, funding his travels as he went from town to town preaching the gospel. 
She was, in fact, the very first to see Jesus risen from the dead. She was at the tomb of Jesus crying, and he appeared behind her and called her name. Mary Magdalene is another example of how Jesus can take even an extreme example like that of demon possession and turn her life around. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. That promise of Jesus was for Mary Magdalene too. Then there's the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. We don't even know her name. But one day, while she was headed to get water from the city well, Jesus met her. In the course of their conversation, it came up that she had been married five times and was currently living with a man she wasn't married to. But her past decisions did not disqualify her from the grace of God. She became convinced that Jesus was the Christ, and she went straight back into the city and told them all, anyone who would listen, about Jesus. And so we add her light. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. The woman at the well believed, and she was welcomed into the light of Christ. Then there was a man named Zacchaeus. If you grew up in Sunday school, probably the only thing you remember about Zacchaeus is that he was short. But don't let his size deceive you. Zacchaeus was a very hated man. He was essentially a mafia thug. He was the chief tax collector in the city of Jericho at the time, and he had become rich by ripping off the citizens of that city. He had essentially stolen from the poor in order to advance his own status. When Jesus came into town, Zacchaeus climbed up into a sycamore tree so that he could see Jesus above the crowd. He had some sort of unusual interest in Jesus. Something drew this rich and powerful evil man to Christ. To his surprise, Jesus came toward the tree, looked up, and told Zacchaeus to come down and lead the way to his house. The crowds of people criticized Jesus that day for going to be a guest at the home of such a ruthless and hated man. They said he has gone in to be the the guest of a man who is a sinner, and they were right. But you see, Jesus came for sinners. And Zacchaeus committed his life to Christ that day. We're told in Luke chapter 19 of his conversion, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Even a man as despised, as cruel as Zacchaeus, one who had inflicted harm on others, who had grown rich at their expense, even he was not too far gone for Jesus to save. And his change of heart is evidence to the fact that Christ transformed his life that day. The man who previously stole from others was now paying it all back with interest. The man who had loved money and was committed to increasing his own interests was now giving his money away to those in need. Zacchaeus is a stark example of exactly what Jesus said in John 12. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. There are others who have heard the message of Christ and believed, some who were not as far gone into a life of sin as 
those we've looked at so far. Cornelius, for example. Cornelius was a good man. By human standards, at least. He was a religious man. He feared God. He prayed continually to God. He even gave money to charity. Cornelius was a man with a good reputation. And though he was a good man, he was not a saved man. He still needed his sins forgiven. Cornelius is perhaps like some of you here tonight. You've been in church your whole life, maybe. You've lived a fairly decent life. You haven't committed sins that society would consider to be major sins. And yet, you're in the darkness. What's most concerning about you is that you may not even realize it. The woman at the well knew who she was. Zacchaeus was under no illusions that he was an upstanding person. He knew that he was a sinner. But people like Cornelius, religious people, tend to think that they're right with God simply because they live ostensibly better lives than others. But God doesn't grade on a curve. We are either perfectly obedient to God's law or we are sinners. We are either in the light or in the darkness. There is no in-between. And because of Adam and Eve's sin, our entire human race is lost, including the seemingly good people like Cornelius. He was lost. He was in need of a Savior. And so God sent Peter to tell him about Jesus. Peter told Cornelius about how Jesus had lived a perfect life of obedience, something that even the best of men have never done. Peter told him that Jesus was put to death on a cross, but then he rose again from the dead the third day. And Peter told Cornelius, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Cornelius believed the message of Peter that day, and he became a follower of Jesus. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Cornelius, though a well-thought-of person, someone with a good reputation, was still in the darkness until the day when he chose to enter the light through faith in Jesus. We'll look at one more example tonight, perhaps the most surprising of all. This is the story of the thief on the cross. How a man who was being executed for crimes that he had committed was forgiven of all of his sins. We all know that Jesus died on a cross. That's something we're familiar with, but he did not die alone. Jesus was executed along with two others. The other two were criminals. They were being served the death penalty for their crimes. One of the two was mocking Jesus as he died. The other called out in desperation to Christ. He admitted that he was receiving the just punishment for his actions. And he knew that Jesus had done nothing wrong. And so he said to Jesus these simple words. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. To which Jesus responded, today, I, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here was a man who had lived his entire life in the darkness of sin, right up until his death. He had no good deeds to boast of. He was dying for being a criminal. By his own admission, he deserved the punishment that he was being given. And yet, Jesus came into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. That included even this man as he was dying. I hope by now that you've seen the significance 
of the birth of Jesus. That day as Jesus was born, the one hope for humanity entered our dark world. And ever since that day, Jesus has been pulling people out of darkness. All throughout history, we can see how the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection transformed the lives of people, even transformed entire nations as people humbled themselves and turned in faith to Christ. I could tell you stories from church history, stories from my own life, the lives of my family members, stories of people in this room who have experienced this same salvation and transformation through Jesus. Jesus Christ changes lives. He still forgives sin. He still takes the broken pieces of of people's lives and puts them back together again. Relationships can be restored. Addictions can be overcome. You can find meaning and purpose in your life. Abundant life is offered to you today. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus came into the world as light so that whoever believes in him may not remain in darkness. Every Christmas, we celebrate the birth of our Savior, the one hope for humanity, the one hope for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tells us, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I wonder, has God shined the light of the gospel in your heart today? Are you ready to leave the darkness behind you and enter the light of Jesus? If you're here tonight and you haven't yet, let me encourage you to turn to Christ. Trust in him to do a work in your life that you could never do on your own. Your relationship with God can be restored today. He stands ready to receive you if you will but turn your back on the darkness of sin and look to him. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. For those of us who are followers of Jesus already, Christmas is a time of celebration. It's a time to praise the Lord for his goodness in sending our Savior. And it's a time to renew our commitment to live for him. Remember the words from Ephesians 5, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Those who have received this gift of grace, be a light. Don't wander back into the darkness that Jesus saved you out of. Walk as children of the light. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Let others see Jesus in you. In the way that you speak, in the way that you treat others, And the way that you work with honesty and integrity, walk in the light. This is why our church exists, to be used of the Lord as a lighthouse, showing the way to the Savior. Nothing is more worthy of celebration than the fact that Jesus came into the world as light, so that we may not remain in darkness. At this time, I want to invite those of you who are still seated uh, to join with the rest. So just stand up. And uh, find whoever is close to you, and they'll help you get your candle lit. And uh, try to spread out. Catherine, if you don't mind lighting the, the windowsill candles as well. And just spread out to the back and to the front here. And uh, you may have to shuffle a little bit so we can fill in the whole perimeter. 
Uh, give me just a minute. I will, I will come down and join you, light my candle as well. And then as soon as I get that lit, uh, we'll close tonight by just singing a verse of Silent Night. Okay, so just give me one moment here. Unusual Christmas service that may or may not involve dragons. <laughs> 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 